take away dance party. Woo! Donovan Peoples Jones. Donovan Peoples Jones. Let's go, Donovan. Let's go. Next, Will Fuller. Oh, baby. 12 targets. 100th percentile burst score. This is what I'm talking about. It's on. It's happening. Great. He's Will Fuller, everybody. In a good way. No, the old Will Fuller. The Texans Will Fuller. Not this current Will Fuller. He's good. This is great news. This is amazing. I'm so happy for him. Did he score a touchdown? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He didn't score a touchdown. That would have been great. Imagine if he had scored a touchdown. Imagine I'd, I'd have lost my voice by now. I'm so happy. He was stuck in the, like, one of the most anemic offenses in college football when he was when he was there. Yet he was excelling in special teams. This is the, this is an interesting nugget. Go back and say, hey, why why do certain things happen? How or how do you predict certain things? Well, the best predictors of the future are those that learn from the past and that internalize their mistakes and famously this year steve smith steve smith wide receiver steve smith called me out specifically said the pod father is an idiot for calling me an idiot about cooper cup i absolutely mocked steve smith for having cooper cup Ahead of Corey Davis. <laughs> Whoops. Right? And I was like, oh, he's a small school wide receiver. He's not that fast. I prefer explosive athletes. He's not even being drafted in the first round like a bunch of these other wide. Look at, look at John Ross running a 4-2. Mike Williams has the pedigree from Clemson. How could you have Cooper Cup number one? You want age-adjusted production? Maybe, maybe you want a, a great resume? I give you Juju Smith-Schuster. It's all these players, right? To choose from, putting Cooper Cup number one seems crazy, especially after you went in the third round. I don't know, Steve. That's what I said. I said, I, I don't think Steve Smith knows what the hell he's doing. He's new to this whole scouting wide receivers and unfortunately, he, he really he really blew it with his Cooper Cup analysis. That was what I said. And uh, Steve Smith is reminding me now on a loop. I was wrong and exactly how wrong I was. And I appreciate him for doing that. It's certainly helping my clout and my reach. So thank you, Steve. Thank you for you know your brand awareness. I appreciate that, my friend. Uh, we're not friends. We've never met. Although, although... Candidly, I would say I have a suspicion that though he has this persona of being a big tough guy, he's probably a teddy bear and we'd get along. I really think so. I th I would I would oh you'll never want to meet Steve Smith in person. Yeah, I would. Absolutely would. I wouldn't I I hand to God or whatever being you uh believe is uh controlling things. I don't think he would be, uh, you know, super disagreeable or or uh, have any animosity. I, I think he got it out of his system. I think he knows that I had a take, and people have takes. 
And I, I just, I, I fundamentally believe that he was a football tough guy and a teddy bear in person, and that I think that I'd be able to make him laugh. I think the key is my confidence in that I think we would get along in person, Steve Smith and I, is that I think I could make him laugh. I think I could say something very quickly. My, my strategy would be, my overarching strategy would be, let's get a laugh out of him early. That would be big. I think that would be big. Process-wise, when we're evaluating players, what did we learn about this Cooper Cup uh, fiasco is the best way to describe it, right? Well, how players perform at the Senior Bowl matters. We've learned that. Debo Samuel killed the Senior Bowl. Cooper Cup killed the Senior Bowl. A bunch of players that have performed very well were like top of their position at the Senior Bowl. That matters. And a player's special teams production matters. So if you have at least the requisite size, if you were also super productive on special teams and were very versatile, also taking carries in the backfield, then that is a signal that you're a good football player. And so we look at that more now than ever of how active was this player on special teams. And as it turns out, Donovan Peoples-Jones was very active on special teams. In fact, if you look at his Michigan highlight reel, it was dominated by his special teams activity because... Shea Patterson had such difficulty delivering the football to him. So what did he have to He had to do it on punt return. That's how he did it, right? So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great success story for us of how vigorously and, and, and vehemently, vigorously and vehemently, we were touting Donovan Peoples-Jones all year, all year, number one on the waiver wired show. We let off the waiver wired wide receivers every week with DPJ, DPJ, and we said when, when Donovan Peoples-Jones starts to have a quarterback that can feather that ball into tight places down the field, that's the one skill that Deshaun Watson has and always will have, then we, we could see some, some big boom performances, some 100-yard games. I didn't know he was going to give us 12 targets. I didn't see that. I didn't see the 12 targets coming. That was great. It would have been nice to get the touchdown, though. Had he got the touchdown, it would have been 25 fantasy points. See that? See, 25 fantasy, that's that's a whole other level. That's a whole other threshold you can reach. But that he's probably going to get there at some point. Over-under, everybody on the show, over-under right now, everybody in the chat, everybody listening at home, over-under, say it out loud. If you're listening to the podcast, say it out loud. Over-under, does Donovan Peoples-Jones, actually, it's not an over-under. Yes or no? I'm so used to over-unders, right? I'm so used to over-unders. Yes or no, okay? Donovan Peoples-Jones hits 25 fantasy points in a game rest of season. Right? right. And, and, and Donovan Peoples-Jones is brought to you by Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike sponsoring the show. You can invest in players like stocks. And we said, hey, pick up Donovan Peoples-Jones if he's already you know, been picked up by you or no one dropped him, fine. Go ahead and invest in him on a platform like Prediction Strike because it's only going to pop. His value is only going to pop when Deshaun Watson returns, but that's that's not baked in to his price. So it's one of the easiest buys all year on Prediction Strike, Donovan Peoples-Jones. So go to the App Store, get Prediction Strike, promo code UNDERWORLD. You get a free player share with a $20 deposit. So go do it. Now you'll see the price correction. On Donovan Peoples-Jones. There will be other Donovan Peoples-Jones candidates. Don't worry. 
So get the app now. Don't worry. It's it's not like, oh, that's the last one, right? There's going to be other guys with 100th percentile burst scores and great special teams production who are about to get a massive quarterback upgrade. Okay, that exact guy isn't going to... Okay, so that exact guy is gone. <laughs> okay. But there will be other candidates that are very good. They're very good. Oh, man, very good. What a day. What a day. We had Donovan Peoples-Jones. We had Tony Pollard again, two touchdowns. Tony Pollard, whatever you want to give to Zeke, Tony Pollard doesn't care about. He's like, I'm going to get my fantasy points no matter what. Give Zeke touchdowns. Give Zeke touches. Whatever you want to do, right? End of the game, you want to put it in Zeke's belly to win, fine. I'll go ahead and lead all in, in fantasy points. And then we also had DJ Chark. So we have DJ Chark outscoring Amon Ross St. Brown. Yay! Why are you yaying? I love Amon Ross St. Brown. Yes, but we certainly had a hell of a lot more Chark in DFS. I've picked up Chark in a lot of my high-stakes fantasy team, like FFPC. Four weeks ago, we were saying, hey, get Chark now. And you looked on the waiver wire, even in high-stakes leagues, High stakes leagues like the FFPC, FFWC in particular, FFWC, they start three wide receivers plus the two flex positions. So you can start five receivers. So imagine my surprise when I saw DJ Chark, the DJ Chark, the DJ Chark, who is essentially Donovan Peoples Jones. These are the same guy. These guys run sub 4 440s with incredible burst. They're lanky stretch X receivers. Right, There aren't that many stretch X receivers out there. Most stretch receivers are stretch Zs, which means they are smaller. Right, They're 5'10", 180, they run a 4-3, and they will, they will give you the double moves, but they, they don't have that sort of rise up in the end zone capability like a Chark does, like a DPJ does. That's why we love them so much. And when they're all breaking out at the same time, it's just glorious. It's glorious when the guy that checks all the boxes we love so much in Pollard breaks out with DPJ and Chark all in the same game with Chig Aquanquu, the tight end that checks all the boxes, right? So it's like, oh my God, it all hit. It's like the bingo card hit. That was the bingo card. And our sponsor, Rival Fantasy, has Fantasy Bingo. So you can like a bingo card and you just go through it and you can say, okay, Pollard or Zeke, I'm going to go Pollard, right? And you go down the bingo card, this player or this player, this player or this player, this player or this player. So they have fantasy bingo. They also have challenges. So you can actually issue a challenge to the community and say, I think that Tony Pollard is going to outscore Zeke this week. And then someone that might like Zeke, they take the other side of that. Or you could look at the, the challenges others have posted and you can take the other side. So that's Rival Fantasy. Check it out, RivalFantasy.com. The promo code there is PLAYER. PLAYER. And up to $50 of uh, any losses you might have because you can't win them all will be fully refunded. The promo code there on Rival Fantasy is PLAYER. Chig, right? Chig. Oh, baby. Yeah. So this is a big... I mean. Why didn't you do a dance party last week? That was the question, right? What, what happened to the dance party last week? Well, actually, guys, I had a feeling this would be the week. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I in, the, in the back, I was like, we, we really should. Shouldn't we dance? I think 
maybe we could, we should. Nah, nah, I, I don't know. I had a, I had a weird feeling that I didn't want to do a dance party last week because it was actually this week that we wanted to do the day. That, that was, a, that was it. So, I mean, I didn't know Tony Pollard was going to come back with two more touchdowns, right? I mean, last week would have been the week to do a Tony Pollard only dance party. I understand that. I almost did it, and then I didn't. I said, you know what? Let's let's ride this one out. I got a good feeling about next week, and then bam. We get a DPJ with Tony Pollard, with Chark, with a Kwonkwu dance party. And uh, you know the wide receivers, as usual, because we've been cursed with touchdowns. We, we, me personally. I mean, if the Podfather curse has manifested most this year in just the, the hilarious missing touchdowns where we've, like, over and over and over again, been enjoying these 100-yard performances, whether it's brand-new breakout guys, guys we've had maximum conviction in, like a Chark, like a DPJ, you know, the, the, the type of player, my type of player, delivering, but not the touchdown. Chark actually didn't give you the touchdown last week, finally gave you the touchdown, so he scored more fantasy points than DPJ, right? Did I know that? Right? Did I know? Well, last week we didn't get the touchdown from Chark. Let's wait a week, get the touchdown from Chark. No, but it feels so good, right? You see the difference. When you have Chark versus versus DPJ, what's the difference in fantasy points? They their difference in fantasy points was like two, right? It was very little difference. It was like a 19 from DPJ, 21 from Chark. But the for some the touchdown, it feels so good. But for fantasy, that's true. Points are points. But for me, you have to understand, for me, I don't care. Touchdowns, especially at the wide receiver position, they're so random. Justin Jefferson had a, like 11 receptions, had like 220-plus yards, no touchdowns. Is that because he stinks at scoring touchdowns? No, it's just it's totally random, whether it's going to be K.J. Osborne or Justin Jefferson scoring the touchdown, as you can see, right? So process-wise, when I'm thinking through, hey, how did I do? Right, just thinking back uh, seven years ago. Hey, how did you do with that? Uh, the NFL draft analysis of the wide receiver position, especially around uh, Corey Davis versus Cooper Cup. Yeah, not good, right? Not good. Self evaluation is important. So when I do self evaluation, like, well, sure, you could say player X and player Y outscored us this week in the players we loved, but uh, they did give you the hundred yards and. Most weeks, a guy like DJ Chark has six catches for 94 yards. One of those catches is going to be a 48-yard touchdown. That's what DJ Chark does. God, I love that man. He's so great. Remember, the Lions signed him for a one-year prove-it deal for $10 million when his former team was paying Christian Kirk top of the market, top of the market prices for a, a 1B wide receiver, a fake alpha. And you look up and like, oh, where, what happened to Christian Kirk this week? Oh, yeah, Christian Kirk is, is not actually an alpha receiver. He's a beta receiver playing the alpha position. And what you're getting in terms of production from Christian Kirk this year is exactly what you would expect when you install a beta at the alpha position this week, five catches, 45 yards. Sounds about right. Anyone have uh, 162 yards and two touchdowns from Evan Ingram on their bingo card? I think not. I think not. I think not. Now, thinking about bingo cards, we also want to promote our friend, 
Byron Lambert. Byron Lambert from Roster Watch has an app called Angel Fire, and they have the College Bowl Pick'em. It's a free app. It's a free entry. There's a grand prize that you can win. I just submitted all my picks, okay, and I think that I was talking to Cody about it, and once you you submit all the winners of all of the the bowl games, but it's weighted. So the, the points you score for each bowl game if you pick a winner are dependent upon the spread. So if one of you, a, an underdog wins, then you win more, you get more points allocated to your score than if you pick one of these raging favorites. So you get, you gotta be, you gotta be tactical about it. So I was going through it last night with Cody because Cody's working on the rookie rankings right now. So that's exciting. Cody with the rookie rankings and yes, you can, you can win money for free. Right, you just—it's fun. You just swipe back and forth. I'm like, oh, do I want Michigan? Do I, want, you know, this? And, and Cody's like, yes, you want Michigan? Yes, yes, Podfather, Michigan. Right. So I was like, okay, I want Michigan. Da, da. I was like, Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky, right? I mean, they—that that, this is a this is a quarterback factory over there at Western Kentucky. Now that, of course, Mike White didn't make it to the end of the game. Unfortunately, we saw Joe Flacco, so I didn't. I didn't like Western Kentucky fans didn't like that. But then once you're done swiping on Angel Fire, just go to the App Store, type in Angel Fire, and you can play against me in this College Bowl Pick'em. The app is run by friend of the show, Byron Lambert, who is one of the founders of Roster Watch. So I wanted to make sure I, I brought that up to everybody. It was fun working with Cody on the rookie rankings. We'll get into that in a little bit, uh, exactly oh why the rookie rankings matter. I'm going to talk about a rookie quarterback or a prospect that's going to be a rookie quarterback and where I think he should go later in the show. Once I picked all the bowl winners on Angel Fire on their college bowl pickums, I then had to pick which team is going to score the most points. And I picked Western Kentucky. The other option was Kentucky. I wanted to stay in Kentucky. And that's a hint for the player I'm going to talk about later. It was either going to be Kentucky or Western Kentucky, but I just went on. I went on pedigree, point scoring pedigree. I was like, did a Western Kentucky uh, put up like uh, seven million passing yards last year? I think I'm going to go Western Kentucky. They're back in a bowl. So if you see the Bailey Zappi put up whatever it was, seven thousand seven hundred passing yards last year, and then that team is back in the bowl game this year. Any bowl game, I don't. It's Western Kentucky. This is, you don't get. If you're Western Kentucky, you can't get picky. But which bowl game you're in, right? They're back. I'm like, okay, that's my team. That's the team I think is going to score the most points. So then I just submitted the uh, college bowl pick'em on Angel Fire. Check it out. It's pretty, 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 pretty fun. Pretty fun little app there. Swiping back and forth. Byron's doing a great job. Let's just talk briefly about all of my takeaways. So. As usual, we don't actually have 10 takeaways. We have 20. Every week, I, I try, sit down. The process is I sit down and I, I, I need 10 takeaways, right? I'm like, God, how am I going to get 10 takeaways? I wake up every Monday morning. Here's my process Monday morning. I wake up and I say, God, 10 whole takeaways. How am I going to get to that number? That's such a big number. 10 take, 10 whole takeaways. Woo, I don't know. That's going to be tough. It's hard to get out of bed. I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm dreading having to, having, to, having to lay out 10 whole takeaways. Oh, wow, that's going to be tough. And then I open up my notepad, 
and I start thinking about what happened on Sunday. The next thing I know, there's 20 takeaways. So Donovan Peoples-Jones dance party, that's a takeaway uh, that uh, we get the, the massive smash of the players that we love. But also, the tight end profile that we target is doing very well. The tight end position is not dead. That's another takeaway. You got to be careful with role extrapolation. See James Cook. There's a natural variance to every position, wide receiver especially. Ask Juju Smith-Schuster. Ask Jarek McKinnon. Zonovan Knight is for real. J.K. Dobbins looks like a league winner. Potentially, maybe. Pete Carroll and Zach Taylor should be ashamed of themselves. We're going to run out the clock from now on. I'm running out the clock from now on. I'm sick of letting players that check the boxes that I value highly slip through my fingers like a Miles Sanders. So I'm going to try to knock it off. I'm going to explain what happened with Miles Sanders and how I'm not going to let it happen with other players. Big week for athleticism. Just ask Marquise Goodwin. We have a Russell Wilson flashback. We have a Jerry Judy sell-high situation. Jared Goff, franchise quarterback, question mark. Travis Etienne. What? Tom Brady? What? Mike Evans? What? We got to talk about Brock Purdy vis-a-vis Matt Ryan. We got to talk about Chris Moore and Richie James. Yay! Justin Herbert is Justin Herbert, as it turns out. Those are my takeaways. That's pretty good. What are we? 25 minutes in, and it took me 25 minutes. We got distracted by the dance party. But we're, we're 25 minutes in before I could actually lay out the takeaways and get this show started. Off we go. Athleticism matters in athletics. Look no further than tight end. Why are we so bullish on Albert Kugbunim? It's the same reason why we're bullish on David Njoku. He was a top three tight end this week. Dawson Knox was right there in the top five, as was Chikakwangwu. And Chigakwangwu was also one of the most athletic tight ends in this class. Bam! Right? That's why. Why did you guys have Chig so rated so high? Why weren't you moving him to the bottom of the tight end rankings when you know, it was clear that he, he, he wasn't going to be able to overcome Austin Hooper in camp? And it's like, what? <laughs> tight ends take a minute. Athletic tight ends take a minute. And the best example is Dawson Knox. See, Dawson Knox did nothing. I mean, I mean beyond nothing. It's it's actually important seeing how Dawson Knox was the leading receiver for the Bills. Take a moment, right? Take a moment and go look at Dawson Knox's collegiate profile. Okay, Dawson Knox posted. Okay, you ready for this? Six hundred receiving yards in college. That was it. Six hundred receiving yards and no touchdowns. So throughout his entire college career, Dawson Knox never set foot in the end zone where all the, the, the fun paint with the logo is, that area, that painted area, Dawson Knox never stepped foot in that holding a football. Understand that? Okay? All right? His college dominator rating was 4.2%, which doesn't even register a percentile. And yet, across the board, he had... 85th percentile speed, 75th percentile burst, 75th percentile agility. And he happened to go to Old Miss competing for targets with not only 
Elijah Moore, but also uh, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. So target competition matters, but with tight ends, athleticism matters. And even with Evan Ingram, now Evan Ingram has had a lot of lower body injuries, but he also super athletic, right? So if you're just looking at athletic profiles, you would generally find breakout tight ends faster than anyone else in your fantasy league. And then we have Pat Fryermuth. So there's certainly exceptions to every rule. Like Heath Miller had an incredible career, very productive, top 12 fantasy tight end for many years. Not necessarily the most athletic tight end. So the Zach Ertzes exist, right? I'm not saying they don't exist. Hunter Henry, Zach Ertz, they exist. They're just relatively rare. You saw it. There goes Dalton Schultz with a top five week again in week 15. How do you identify a Dalton Schultz? How do you identify a Zach Ertz? Well, these players tend to break out early and they sustain not only production, but commanding significant targets. These are target magnet tight ends that don't win with athleticism. If you're scouting rookies, you're not going to hit on a, on a Dalton Schultz. You're not going to hit on that guy, right? But when we were scouting Pat Fryermuth, Cody Carpentier is like, this guy is, this guy is a beast. This guy is the next Dallas Goddard. And you look at Pat Fryermuth, he's just turned 24 years old. He is the number four tight end in fantasy scoring heading into week 15, and then he was the tight end six. He also doubled George Pickens' targets. He is very much for real, and it's players like Pat Fryermuth which give me the confidence. Fryermuth, Akwankwu, certainly not Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox is so volatile. He's not the type of player that gives me confidence that, oh, the tight end position's not dead. Because I keep hearing tight end's dead, tight end's dead, forget it. Whatever happens at tight end, don't worry about it. You're, you're powerless against the tight end position. Fryermuth and players like Dalton Schultz actually command significant target shares, and that's how they produce in fantasy football. They produce generally with target volume, not necessarily by going up above the defense in the end zone, like the David Njoku's can do, like the Dawson Knox's can do. They're not big yards after the catch guys either. Neither is Mark Andrews, right? Mark Andrews is fast, but Mark Andrews isn't this you know, explosive specimen, right? He's just great at football, and he's incredibly fast down the seam. When these players emerge, you have to identify them and rank them highly even when they're not athletic. So you don't want to get anchored to a pre-draft profile that suggests this tight end is an outlier, right? So what? Outliers happen. Once they start happening and they happen regularly, you lean into it. Right, That's what Chris Bonagura was talking about. He said, eventually, you just got to go with it. Not after one week, but eventually, if a player stacks top five target share on top five target share week over week, season over season, that's just who he is, and you need to just go with it. But you just got to be careful with role extrapolation off of one week. At no point did Chris say, well, after one big week, you should have gone with it. Just believe in Christian Watson. No, he said, once this guy does it for two, three weeks, and he starts putting up 20 fantasy points consecutively, then you can start going with it. This was the big flaw in the reasoning around running out to best case scenario on James Cook. Certainly, just the idea 
that he could be a 20 fantasy points a week running back in the context of this Buffalo Bills offense meant that you wanted to go all in on the waiver wire. No one should be regretting going all in on the waiver wire if they happen to see James Cook there. That was good process. Knowing we don't know, knowing that every week teams will execute and implement a different game plan. But just on the chance that in the fantasy playoffs they turn the running game over to James Cook, you needed to be all in on James Cook on the waiver wire even if it doesn't work out, starting him over more proven players in shallow leagues would be the mistake. Because this is something that we've talked about, especially on the Stackfest show on Roto Grinders, but this has been a, a common theme in recent weeks. The variance in game plan makes it very difficult to extrapolate a player's role that has recently manifested. So, for example, now we're starting to see more James Cook week to week. You need to be very careful just extrapolating his usage from one week to the next, assuming that, okay, last week was the breakout week. That was the come-to-Jesus week for that team. No. No. You have no idea what their game plan is the following week. Maybe their game plan is we got to feed Dawson Knox. There, there's a, there's an exploit here where we can get Dawson Knox down the seam. We can drop plays for Dawson Knox in the red zone. And then Stephon Diggs has 6.7 fantasy points. And Dawson Knox smashes after having zero fantasy points the week prior. So you'd be very careful extrapolating week-to-week role changes. I see this, and we talk about this on the Stackfest show, like, oh, Player X is chalk. And I'm like, how is Player X chalk? After one week, the assumption is that this this role that he had last week is going to stick? That's just his new role? That he's going to absolutely out-touch the incumbent moving forward? And we, we talked about this on the Stackfest show in the context of DeAndre Swift versus Jamal Williams. And I was like, I understand that we all want, we all want DeAndre Swift to be not only the touch leader, but the guy getting more carries than the the less explosive Jamal Williams. But that's just not the reality of how football teams work. What often happens is they assign running backs to drives. And then in some drives, that running back will get hot and the team will get hot and march down the field. And that particular running back, just on that drive alone, will put up like eight carries. That'll be... Half his carries come from one drive. And then, for whatever reason, there's a holding call. And then now the team is is looking at third and 20. And at no point were they able to feed DeAndre Swift in the running game in the entire first half. These are things that can happen. That's why you need to be very careful about extrapolating roles after a single week change, assuming that there's been some coming-to-Jesus moment for NFL coaches. So that's... The key takeaway of this week, specifically when looking at a DeAndre Swift, when looking at a James Cook, you need a player to prove over a course of two, three, four weeks that they have established a primary back role or an alpha receiver role in order to allocate those touches, those targets confidently the following week. Now, this sounds simple. This sounds prudent but very often it's it's not followed that advice is is not followed 
And then on the, on the other end of the spectrum, it's interesting where you'll get players that because they're not well-known, because they didn't get that you know top 50 draft capital, it takes too long for <laughs> the fantasy rankers to appreciate. Like a Zonovan Knight, for example. Zonovan Knight is stacking game after game after game where he is the, the workhorse. And yet you see the fantasy analysis that you know Michael Carter's back and so we don't know we're just going to we're, we're we're going to dial down the certainty on this backfield and discount Zonovan Knight heavily and it's like no 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 just go with it you just go with it when there's three consecutive weeks and it's a clear line going straight up you just go with it when it's this EKG chart going up and down be careful be careful with the single week role extrapolation. And then at the wide receiver position, don't forget who's getting the snaps and who is a primary option versus a secondary option. Juju Smith-Schuster is and has always been the primary wide receiver in the Chiefs passing game. And wide receiver variance is very real. A guy can go three games with a relatively low target share, anemic output, and then explode the next week. Because when you look back at the game log, you look at the routes run. On playerprofiler.com, we have the routes run data. We have the snap share and the targets. And you could see, yes, okay, is this player being phased out or not? Juju was at no point getting phased out. So then why just assume he, he, you need to bench him because you know he hasn't done anything lately? That is the classic sort of, wide receiver recency bias trap that happens happens to get sprung on a lot of fantasy gamers around this time and then they're in the playoffs going oh why didn't i start my best players going well nothing really changed that's on you like nothing's changed with jk dobbins since he was drafted jk dobbins is the best running back on this team he's their primary back he's top of their depth chart at no point did the ravens ever update their depth chart and put Gus Edwards on top or Kenyon Drake on top. So if Dobbins is active, he's active. And the fact that he put up big-time production in a low-scoring game with Tyler Huntley at quarterback is incredibly encouraging. He had 120 yards on 15 carries. He's back. And Jack Cavanaugh talked about this. And you need to listen to this Player Profiler Today show that we have on YouTube it's at 7 p.m., 7 p.m. every night. And I went on with Jack Saturday night, and the title of the show was J.K. Dobbins is active, and that's a big deal. You're welcome. What Jack noticed, what he observed, was that the coaches talked about how he wasn't ever right coming back from this initial ACL reconstruction, that he needed the revision. And that they weren't going to bring him back from the revision until he was absolutely, positively, 100% back. That's the thing. When a guy comes back from a revision, they're not going to take any chances. And the, the, the comments from the coaches that Jack is sniffing out talked about how he looked as good as he's been since he was a rookie. And that's what we talked about on that uh, Player Profiler Today show on YouTube. So you're not allowed to be surprised when J.K. Dobbins is J.K. Dobbins. And Rashad Penny had a revision surgery. 
There's been multiple running backs that have had revision surgeries on their knee, and then when they finally did come back to full health, they were explosive, they were putting up 100-plus yards, and they were helping fantasy teams. Pete Carroll is not helping fantasy teams. Pete Carroll making DJ Dallas questionable and Ken Walker questionable, Zach Taylor taking T. Higgins off the injury report and then pulling him after a couple snaps. Not because there was an aggravated injury, just because he was like, ah, we're going to be careful with this guy. He's not feeling quite right. Well, if he's not feeling quite right today, Sunday, that means he wasn't right on Friday. So you taking him off the injury report is dishonest. Pete Carroll not ruling out DJ Dallas and Ken Walker earlier was dishonest. And it's hurting their product. The NFL needs to find these coaches more. According to Anand Nanduri from the Decision Point Show, also on this network, he insisted that it is hurting the product. There are billions at stake across fantasy football. Fantasy football is a $20 billion a year industry. Sports betting, even bigger than that. That's what is undergirding the popularity of the sport. And they are allowing coaches to put the integrity of the game, the integrity of the bets, the integrity of the fantasy lineup submissions in jeopardy by allowing this kind of dishonesty. It shouldn't be allowed. They need to be fined. And it's it's in the NFL's best interest to police this much more harshly. Carroll and Taylor, they're hurting the product. And Pete Carroll takes it a step further by starting a player who's not actually starting, announcing Tony Jones, and then Tony Jones has one carry, which could have helped some people. So you see Tony Jones starting, like, oh, I'm going to bench Travis Homer. Travis Homer actually has the primary back role and then puts up five fantasy points anyways. You're like, phew. Like, Pete Carroll being an asshole saves some people from starting Travis Homer. Like, there's some, some deep, rich irony there, but that doesn't make me like Pete Carroll anymore. I mentioned that we're going to be digging into Miles Sanders a little bit later. I am upset that I did not run out the clock on Miles Sanders. I allowed his seeming softness to skew my perception. Now he's looking like a, a, a top fantasy asset, a league winner. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'm not going to let what happened with Miles Sanders affect me with Chuba Hubbard. I've been running out the clock with Chuba Hubbard, insisting that he is better than Dante Foreman. He is. When he's right, when he's healthy, he is better than Dante Foreman. Cody agrees with me. Why? Why? If we go back to the waiver wired show weeks ago, I said, hey, you got to get Hubbard, get him stashed. Hopefully this ankle injury isn't serious. It turned out to be serious. We had no idea. The coaches lied to us. I mean, the coaching lies that have negatively impacted fantasy teams just stacking up this year, hurting the product, hurting the product, NFL, and hurting the accuracy of my takes, God damn it! But at no point was I like, you know what? Dante Foreman's just better than Chuba Hubbard. No, 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 no. Run out the clock. Run out the clock. Zero L's. Not taking an L on Chuba Hubbard. Then what happens? Oh, wow, right? Similar yardage on a lot less carries, much more efficient, gets the touchdown, Bam! Three for three in the passing game. That's what matters. The whole thesis around Hubbard was this is a bad offense, and the only way that you're going to consistently put up fantasy points is to also be active in the passing game. Foreman isn't. Hubbard is. Advantage Hubbard. And now you're seeing it play out. Panthers have uh, 
now stumbled their way into playoff contention because they're in a division where no one can win a game. I thought maybe Hubbard would be the main guy moving forward because they're out of contention. They want to see their young player and evaluate him. No, they're going to play Hubbard and he's going to score fantasy points just because he's better than Foreman. Just like Pacheco being better than Edward Solaire. Oh, what, oh, Edward Solaire scoring all these touchdowns. Be careful, Podfather, taking the L on Pacheco. No, we're running out the clock, baby. We're going to be running out the clock even more now than ever. Athleticism matters in athletics. That's a key take and a big reason why we're running out the clock. Donovan Peoples-Jones will eventually happen. DJ Chark will eventually come back and happen. Even Marquise Goodwin happened. It's been a huge week, a huge week for burst score. The burst score metric on playerprofiler.com. When you see Goodwin and DPJ and Chark, that's a big week for the burst score on Player Profiler. Big week for Russell Wilson. Hey, flashback! Game environment matters. If you're going to be going up against Patrick Mahomes, then you're going to be pushed, right? The opposing quarterback is an under-discussed reason to start or sit players in fantasy football. I started Russell Wilson this week, and I did not start him last week. Why? Why? Why, 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 why? Patrick Mahomes was the reason. Patrick Mahomes can at least spur on a shootout and put Russell Wilson in a position that he has to, to sling the ball downfield. The problem is his only receiver that has any quality is Jerry Judy, and Jerry Judy's not that good. So what happened? Well, Mahomes happened. That's what happened. And you need to sell high on Jerry Judy. Oh, man. I mean, Jerry Judy, you're like, well, how can you sell high on Jerry Judy? He only needs 400 yards in four games to reach 1,000 receiving yards this year, something he hasn't done in his career. His career high is 856 receiving yards. He'll struggle to reach that. And then here's some metrics on player profile I like to look at, just to, just to get a gauge of how good this player is. How good is this wide receiver really? Targets per route run, target rate on player profiler, that matters. Well, coming into this game, a game where he was competing for targets with Montrell Washington and Kendall Hinton, Jerry Judy had a true catch rate of 70, ranked 76 in the league. His target rate was 36, right? So as poor as he was commanding targets, he was twice as bad actually securing catchable targets. He's not that good. And he happened to score a bunch of touchdowns, even though he had fewer yards than Donovan Peoples-Jones, who had zero. What does that tell you? Sell the touchdowns. That's what we're doing. We're touchdown salesmen. I think I, I believe I gave myself that name last year. I'm a touchdown salesman. That's what I am. Touchdown! Got your touchdown! And I'm also a, I'm, I'm an American picker when it comes to finding undervalued assets that have not yet scored touchdowns. So like Donovan Peoples-Jones. Or Chark last week. Jerry Judy, get out of here. Jared Goff, though. Jared Goff, come in here. Get over here. Jared, you. How about those Lions, huh? <laughs> we were right. Twitter was right. Twitter loved the Lions. Decision Point Show loved the Lions. Big week for the Decision Point Show. Jared Goff, is he the future at the quarterback position in Detroit? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't pretend to know. Anyone that pretends to know is a fool. We don't know. What I do know is that the Lions have a lot of picks in the 2023 
NFL draft. The quarterback position is the most valuable position in the NFL. So, therefore, you should, as a baseline assumption, expect the Lions to draft a quarterback. But Goff is good enough also. So what do you do? If I'm the Lions, I'm circling one quarterback in particular. There is one quarterback I want, and I don't, I don't, I don't want the other quarterbacks. I don't want C.J. Stroud. I don't want Bryce Young. You know, one guy has a weak arm. One guy is undersized. I think those quarterbacks could get exposed during the process. And if they're not exposed during the process, they could just get drafted based on GM wishful thinking. So Detroit has the Rams pick. The Rams are currently projected to pick fourth overall. And at that pick, I believe, depending on how the process unfolds, but as of today, looking at the mocks as of today, Will Levis will be available. Will Levis is interesting. Will Levis has the big arm. Will Levis has mobility. He's erratic. His decision-making is a work in progress. But if you're going to draft a quarterback there, you need to make sure that quarterback has a ceiling that's higher than Jared Goff. I can't say that about Stroud. I can't say that about Young. I can say that about Levis. So if you're going to do it, you do it with Levis. That's that's the move if you're Detroit. You want to be the NFC's Buffalo Bills? Take a swing at potentially the next Josh Allen. But drafting a lesser Jared Goff is not the answer. That isn't See, that's not the move. And we mentioned him earlier, but Justin Jefferson, I mean, can we just genuflect? Remember, there was a week. There was a week last week. Remember the week when he fell outside the top three wide receivers? I was like, he's not going to be outside the top three for long. He was outside the top fantasy wide receivers for like a week by like .2 fantasy points. And now he's back. And uh, there was some some chatter on social media, the worst kind of chatter, that maybe Jeff Okuda has his number. That, you know, last time they faced off, Jeff Okuda really shut him down. So here's the thing about players like Justin Jefferson. The elite of the elite players can't be stopped by anybody, any player, any coach, any scheme. Cannot throttle them. Whatever you saw from Justin Jefferson last time they faced Detroit was driven more by randomness, by just the random bounces of the football. Just so happened that on any given drive... Kirk Cousins goes through his progressions and can deliver the ball to particular places and just so happened that as you ran that simulation, the last time they played the Lions, a lot of those footballs didn't get directed at Justin Jefferson. It had no bearing on what would happen this week against the Lions. So Justin Jefferson, not the type of player you want to game log watch against or draw any conclusions about any dud performances. Yes, you're playing Justin Jefferson. So I think on the Stackfest show... Eric Beinfor brought this up. He's like, you know, Podfather, you know, Twitter, Twitter saying, be careful with uh, Justin Jefferson this week. And I just laughed. I cackled. And I, he's like, he's like, oh, last time they faced the Lions and Akuda. And I was like, so basically you're saying he's going to go 10 for 180. You just basically gave the reasoning why you can absolutely expect people to fade him right into a 10 for 180 performance. And then what did he do? He went like 15 for 250 because, of course, I don't know what's going to happen with Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne has been quite the fickle uh, fantasy asset. I can't find a more fickle fantasy asset. 
At the OG Fantasy, Theo Greminger, one of the best follows on Twitter, at the OG Fantasy. He writes this about Travis Etienne. He has been one of the most rocky rides you could imagine. A volatile season with three unique time periods for Travis Etienne. You had weeks one through four, that was the bust era. You had weeks five through 11, that was the league winning era. Then you had weeks 12 through 14, the era of devastation where you were starting him and losing and potentially missing the playoffs and or failing to win key matchups. Wild times for fantasy managers with Travis Etienne. What will Travis Etienne do next week? I do not know. What I do know is what I have been saying about Travis Etienne from the beginning. That Travis Etienne is not going to be a stable, trustworthy fantasy asset until he starts catching passes in volume. I want Travis Etienne to prove that he can catch more than three passes in any given game. I need that. I need that from him. Total targets for Travis Etienne in week 15. Zero. Zero. No, no, no targets. So, nope, no targets. I told you so. 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 Travis Etienne chalk week last week, coming off a foot injury. That was that was funny. That was funny. I said to Eric and, and Dario, well, a couple things I'd like from Etienne. I'd like him to prove that he's fully healthy and then prove that he can catch passes. Then we can talk about Travis Etienne chalk week. God, I'm so old and crusty, right? Listen to me. Uh, that's a, that's a real get off my lawn take right there. That's a real that's a that's a real it's <laughs> a real ornery position to take on a player that I love. I love Travis Etienne, but the old man in me just can't quite get all the way there. I remember it was like RB one in fantasy Travis Etienne. I was like, whoa, slow down, bro. What? <laughs> Weird times. Weird times. That's the thing. Just so you want. An old, crotchety man at the helm of whatever dynasty rankings you're following. That's why our dynasty rankings are the best. They update every week, and they are the best. Put them up against any dynasty rankings ever by a wide margin on playerprofiler.com. Dynasty Deluxe. You subscribe knowing that at no point have we had Travis Etienne as the RB1. We don't do that. We don't do that because we've learned lessons. We've learned the lessons five years ago with Juju Smith-Schuster vaulting him too high, right? Seven years ago, being too dismissive of Cooper Cup. We're now past all that. Lessons have been learned, internalized. Now you can enjoy the accuracy. You're welcome. We're in our prime at playerprofiler.com. Tom Brady, not in his prime. So Tom Brady, wow. Mmm. That was a sad score. That was a sad score. And uh, my daughter is a raging Patriots fan. She is a much more emotional Patriots fan than I am. She does not like Tom Brady at all. She claims that he has a fake face, which I think is funny. I that that sounds like something I would say. Like that is a real moment, right? When your son or daughter beats you to the take and they say it with a cadence and a, a, a sentence structure, a phrasing 
that you would have said exactly like I would have laid it out precisely that way. Brady does have a fake face, right? I, I agree. And I'm like, I just wish I had thought of that particular phrasing. God damn it. And I love, but, but she says it with such vitriol. Like she really doesn't like him. And she was laughing. I was like, hey, you're going to like this. So I had my phone up. It was, it was like, I don't know, eight o'clock at night. I was like, we were wrapping presents. And uh, I said, oh, by the way, did you see what happened in the uh, Buccaneers 49ers game? She's like, no, no, dad. What happened? Show me. So I just showed the phone and erupted. She erupted in laughter. It felt good, man. Sports, right? Sports. There is, There are some unseemly behaviors that in almost any other context would be off-putting. But in, in the sports context, like it's okay. It's okay to vent, right? It's okay to, to, to just, just get those negative emotions out of your system. Just expel them, right? That, it's, it's, it's that kind of resentment. Like it's festering inside you. And if you get it out on a Tom Brady box score, I say bravo, right? I, that, that, that made her sleep better at night. I bet she had a better day today at school because of that, <laughs> that particular 35 to 7 outcome. I love it. Sports, baby. It helps. Sports helps. Mike Evans, right? Mike Evans, a great example of a player who's not been rated highly on our dynasty rankings for many years. And we've taken criticism for that. And now you look up and you're like, well, actually, uh, funny thing about Mike Evans. So he's, uh, he's hovering around a target rate. We talked about this, the targets per route run. Of 20%. That's outside the top 50. That's that's far below Jerry Judy. And he just turned 29. And hope you didn't trade for Mike Evans in Dynasty. Woof. Not as big of a mistake as Brady made ruining his life to go 6-7. and seven. <sighs> Awful. So backup quarterbacks get hurt at a higher rate than established starters because they're new to the game environment. It makes sense. When I see a Brock Purdy go down with an oblique injury or a shoulder injury or an ankle injury, whatever it is, I'm like, that makes sense. He got blindsided in a situation that he's not accustomed to and he gets knocked out of the game. That happens all the time. The rate where... Backup quarterbacks are knocked out of the game very high compared to established starters. I mean, think about Purdy versus Brady, right? Rhymes. Matt Ryan needs to be under center in San Francisco yesterday. How that hasn't been worked out, how the mechanics of of that transaction haven't been figured out yet is shameful both for Chris Ballard and the 49ers organization, because I'm not sure who's in charge in the 49ers. I think it's Kyle Shanahan, really. I think that's what I think. Is, so I think, it's, I think it's Ballard is in charge in Indianapolis, Shanahan in charge in San Francisco. They need to get together. They need to get on the phone and get Matt Ryan to San Francisco. Chris Moore, with just a big, hairy, productive smash week, and I love it. I love it. I, I've picked him up in a couple leagues. Admittedly, I forgot to start him in one league, uh, but I, it's why I like deep leagues, like the Sleeper Bowl, 14 teams, 
right? And so I have to go out and pick up a, a Chris Moore. It's great, right? Love it. I have a Chris Olave on buy. What am I going to do, right? Got to go get Chris Moore. Richie James. Richie James. Richie James. There was a podcast once upon a time, and if anyone in the chat can remember the name of the podcast, that would be an epic poll. It was a podcast once upon a time that was criticizing Nate and I, the Sonic Truth podcast, for our affinity for Richie James. So they were dismissing our podcast saying, those guys like Richie James. How do you like us now? Huh? How do you like us now? Richie James. League winner? Well, he certainly helped you last week. So Richie James and Chris Moore, they're why you should add a flex player. They're why you should add bench players. They're why you should add teams to your fantasy league. When in doubt, make your fantasy league deeper so that you can enjoy the Richie James week, the Chris Moore week. Because if you're paying attention, you say, oh, Nico Collins is not playing. Oh, boy. Right? We know Cook's out. Lots of garbage time. I, I thought there'd be a, it would be a garbage time game. I had no idea the Texans would actually be winning in the second half. The reason why I picked up Chris Moore was so I could play him thinking about garbage time. I wanted fourth quarter garbage time from Chris Moore. I didn't want, like, I didn't, I don't know. Either way, it's fantastic. It's fun when it happens, man. The number one option is the number one option, and garbage time is garbage time. Oh, we're deep into the top 10 takeaway show. Oh, yes, we are. When we get to it is what it is, you know you're deep in it. Justin Herbert is who he is. Justin Herbert, 357 yards. Where has that been? Well, that's that's the wrong question to ask. The question isn't where has that been. The question is where has Mike Williams and Keenan Allen been? A quarterback can only do so much with DeAndre Carter as a featured option. Right? And Russell Wilson's here nodding, yes. Yes, Russell Wilson's like, yes. Ever since he lost Tim Patrick, Russell Wilson has not been the same. Wide receiver quality affects quarterbacks more than most fantasy analysts understand or talk about. And finally, Miles Sanders. Got to talk about Miles Sanders. Smashing. He is the RB9 in fantasy. He is a... League winner right there with Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, and Miles Sanders are those mid-round running backs that are all now sitting in the top 10 in fantasy football. So it was one of those three guys. You needed one of those three running backs in the mid-rounds. You needed to get them. And those three running backs are interesting because they check three of five key boxes, key categories for a breakout. So with Stevenson, he has the size, he has the receiving skills, and he had the primary back role, which we did not expect. I did not know he was this efficient in the receiving game. I did not know he was going to operate as a bell cow. No Patriots running back has operated as a bell cow since Corey Dillon, but we knew he had size. So the Stevenson sleeper in fantasy was more difficult to identify. Miles Sanders was easier. Miles Sanders has the size, but he also has an explosive athletic profile. He had the primary back role, and he was in an incredible situation, much better situation in Philadelphia than Stevenson is in New England. And yet I was distracted by the shiny object. I was distracted by two things. 
mostly the, the shiny object in Kenny Gainwell. I became Team Gainwell, thinking, well, the coach is Team Gainwell, right? If Sirianni's going to wear a Gainwell t-shirt, then I should be a Kenny Gainwell fan too. And then if Miles Sanders is going to say publicly that you shouldn't draft him, that's all the more reason to draft Kenny Gainwell, right? So that's the reason why I took my eye off Miles Sanders. You know, I took my foot off the gas, my eye off the ball with Miles Sanders. Shame on me. Shame on me. But if I had to break down the reasoning, if it were just Boston Scott and, say, Jordan Howard, I can promise you all, no matter what Miles Sanders said in any interview, I would have been on Miles Sanders based on the fact that he was the primary back with a great athletic profile. He was the right guy in the right role in the right situation. The problem was 80% of the reason why I specifically slow played Miles Sanders when I should have been aggressively targeting him was the presence of Kenny Gainwell. That was the reason. Either way, whoops. However, however, I feel great knowing that the guy we were drafting in those middle rounds was the guy that checks all five of those particular categories. I think we know who that guy is. He has the size. He has the athleticism. He has the receiving skills. He has the situation on one of the best offenses in the league. The guy we drafted, the guy that's going to bring championships to the underworld is none other than Tony Pollard. I am not. I'm not able to go live on top ten takeaways. What the hell just happened? Oh no! Oh no! Something happened. Oh no! Brady does have a fake face, and he just turned twenty nine. Played the wrong sound effect there. I have to edit that in the podcast. God damn it! I played the wrong. I hit the wrong one. Hallelujah is right next to Law and Order in the sound effect library. That's the first time. I think that's the first time I've uh, I've I've blown it with my in show production skills. Here we go. There, that's what I was looking for. God, man, wow, blew it. Big, big mistake. Not as big of a mistake as Brady made ruining his life for this. Travis Etienne? What? Tom Brady? What? Mike Evans? What?
when we get to it is what it is, you know you're deep in it. 